Hello, mainstreamers and cinephiles and everybody in between. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. And Operation Silver Screen is a go. Hello and welcome to Operation Silver Screen. Our show and our mission is centralized on Bryant and I catching up and giving a debrief on must-see films that we still haven't seen. However, we also have an additional tasking that comes with this assignment, which we refer to as our bonus objectives. The goal of our bonus objectives is to watch and debrief sequels and remakes of classics of must-see films. Not only will we review these movies, but also analyze it from the perspective of their predecessors. And I feel like it's been a bit. It's been a minute since we did a bonus objective. It's, what was our last one we did? I don't think we've done one since last year. Was it Hellraiser or Halloween? Mm, I think Hellraiser was after. Maybe. I'm not sure, but it has been a minute. Yeah, it, yeah, it has been a minute. That's weird. Because I know we we didn't miss some. We did skip one. We skipped Creed uh, because you you had to go out of town and we had a lot of other things going on during that we time. We didn't skip Creed because Creed's not even out yet in theaters. Creed 3 is already out. Is it? I thought it came... Oh, never mind. I'm thinking of John Wick. John Wick comes out near my birthday. Creed just came out this month, though. Yeah, John Wick's not a legacy okay. sequel. Gotcha. I was about to say, how did you miss... Like, I, I was thinking, like, sequels that I haven't watched the whole series yet, but I need to catch up on that I want to see. So, like, in my mind, they were easy to mix up. <laughs> okay, yeah, because we would have had to watch... I haven't seen the Rockies past Rocky 1, and we had 2022 movies to watch. We just had a lot of a lot on plate. And also, we were, because you were leaving, we were recording back-to-back. So mm-hmm. that while you were gone, we, we had something to... Uh, we still had something to release. So yeah, we just there's no way we could have done that movie House Party. Nobody was talking about House Party. No. <laughs> and and that one is debatable like how how much of a footing it has in our culture. I know it's a really popular movie, but not not popular enough where people were talking about this sequel, this legacy sequel. Yeah. But yeah, so it's nice to come back to it cuz like I said it's been a minute. But why don't you go ahead and tell us what we're tackling this week? Yes, so guess what, Caitlin? Well, Caitlin, you should know. We are going to New York City. That's right. Operation Silver Screen hits the big city. Just kidding. Uh, we were going to, but a couple things got in the way. There's rumors that mass individuals are killing each other, uh, revolved and probably committed by some daughter of a psycho, and the therapists there just don't care about you. And worst of all, it's expensive. And HQ will not reimburse us for any any kind of cost. So, yeah, not going to deal with any of that. Dang it, I was trying to go to Broadway. Ah, maybe another time. We do have Singing in the Rain coming up. Oh, that's true. However, Ghostface took their box office winnings from Scream, also known as Scream 5, and headed out to the big old city by themselves. He is also back to numbering his sequels, or her sequels, or their sequels. Don't really know the Ghostface pronouns. I think it's just ghosts and face. But this time they're numbering their sequels with Roman numerals. Could this be a hint of some sort? No, stop looking so hard and just just have fun. All right. (laughs) Let you guys know there are not going to be any spoilers for this movie. I know that this movie is still in theaters. So go out, you know, well, stick around and see if you actually want to see this movie or not after our opinions. But we will go ahead and give you a spoiler warning before we dive into that part. And what is this scream about? Well, it's what I said. Ghostface is in New York. What what else do you, like, really, what, what else do you really need and want from the plot of a scream movie? 
It's just always Ghostface is back in this setting. And most of the time it's Will's Barrow. But this time he's in New York City. Uh, the same cast returns from the last one, those that had actually survived. And maybe a couple and some flashbacks. But other than that, it's, it's a pretty simple plot. I'm not saying that's a bad thing for this movie at all. And I think that in itself is almost homage to not just horror movies back in the day, but just movies back in the day going to New York City. You have Babe in the City, Jason Goes to Manhattan, which they actually play that movie in this movie. Mm, yep. Caitlin, were you excited for this movie at all? Yes and no. Um, if you take a listen back to our Scream 5 review, that movie didn't really wow me. It really wasn't as good as I had wanted it to be. Uh, a lot of that is because it falls into a lot of the stereotypical requel traps, and I didn't think it really added anything new to the franchise. But, however, I do like our new leads for this requel series. I like Sam and Tara as our final girls here, so I was looking forward to seeing them again and seeing what they were going to do with their characters, and I was happy to finally get out of Woodsboro. I was happy for the New York setting, and I was excited to see what it would do with that. So I'd say I'm hesitantly excited, or I was hesitantly excited going into this. All right. I think I was at first, and then when I started seeing the trailers, and I saw the old beaten mask, and I seen what looked to be a more ruthless ghost face, I, I was actually excited for this movie. I couldn't wait. Yeah, I gotta say, I really didn't look at the trailers much. I, I kind of avoided them because I knew I was going to watch it anyway, so I just didn't didn't feel the need to. Unfortunately, I don't have the choice. As often as I go to movie theaters, they just, they happen, and I'm there. Mm -hmm. Like, I've talked about the Nope trailer before, the second one. Yeah. I saw that it came out. I was like, you know what? I'm already sold. I was sold before even the first trailer. I don't want to see any more. And then the theater said, nope, in two contexts. <laughs> And Caitlin, the last time that we talked, you had only seen the first movie. No. The first two movies. First, the first two, movies. two movies, yep. And you recently saw the fourth one. At the time, I had only watched the first two movies. I've seen the fourth now, but I still haven't seen the third. And from what I understand, that I'm not really missing much with the third movie. I've heard that's the worst. You've seen it. Is that accurate? That's very accurate. Should you see it? Eh. I mean... You, you get to see, like, the direction that they could go into. It kind of buries the low bar a bit. Mm. And there is some fun to be had in it. I want to say it's the worst. I didn't struggle through it. Okay. I, I know that I'm spoiled with it now. <laughs> Ever seen. There, there are spoilers in this new Scream 6 for all of the killers of the previous film. So I'm a little spoiled for it now. But I was also spoiled for the fourth movie before I had seen that uh, from something else. So it doesn't really bother me too much. The third reveal is dumb anyway. The third oh, reveal gotcha. is the worst reveal. Ooh, okay. Yeah, because it, uh, it makes no sense. It comes out of left field. Gotcha. I'll have, I'll have some things to say about ghost face reveals later. I, I thought you would. I think a lot of people do, especially for this one. That's one, that's one of the first things Devin the Rookie talked about, which we actually... I watched the fourth one again, so he wasn't able to watch the fourth one with me last time. He did watch the third one with me. So he's seen all the screen films now, and I've seen them all except for number three and this newest one twice because I okay. ended up watching the sixth one, I mean the fifth one, again uh, last year, not, not too far off from when it originally came out. And actually, I liked it better the second time I watched it 
I think really? now like all the expectations were gone and I was just mm-hmm. watching it as a movie. And I wasn't really giving it that much attention either because I was watching it with family. We just they asked me like, "Hey, is it a good movie?" I said, "Yeah, it's decent." You can put it on and yeah, it's a, it's a fun watch. It's not a bad movie. Yeah, I think that when this six comes out on whatever, uh, I would like to watch five and six back to back and kind of see how that plays. Oh, that'll be cool. With this show, we usually talk about our opinion on the franchise and the collection or the collection of the films, but we did that last time. However, Caitlin, you did see the fourth one. Did anything change in in your opinion for the franchise? Or how did, how did you like the fourth one? Because the fourth one has mixed reviews, but people have been starting to like it more as the years have gone by. Yeah, it, it's interesting because... Like, originally, when I first heard about the fourth movie and a little bit after, like, it didn't really get too much acclaim. People weren't really talking about it. It seemed kind of like, with the cast that it had, it seemed very much a movie of its time, from what I understood, with the cast that it had. Um, But I have been seeing a lot more uh, positive responses for it, and and that's part of the reason why I was spoiled on the reveal for it, is because people were were lauding it and saying that it's an underrated gem. And I gotta say, I have to agree with them. I really enjoyed the fourth movie. It's not anything spectacular, but I feel like it has relevancy um, even to today. It didn't feel like a product of the, was it early 2000s, mid 2000s when it came out? No, 2000, wait, mid-2000s. hold up, I think, yeah, mid-2000, I think 2005. Okay, yeah, because it was back when Hayden Panettiere was, was still uh, acting in a lot of things, because um, I, I haven't really seen her in much recently, but, you know, I kind of expected just like a, a teen movie that was going to be more catered towards that time, but now I feel that it was just really relevant with um, themes that it approached the whole internet age, and I think is even more timely now with TikTok and true crime TikToks and all that other stuff going on. So it worked for me. The story worked for me and the reveal for that film also worked for me because while it was a little bit silly, it was a little bit out there, it made up a good story. And I think that's the problem with me with this franchise is that the reveals aren't always great. And a lot of times the reveals, they're trying so hard to surprise you as the audience that the reveals are just silly. They don't really make sense. They don't really add anything to the story. But I could understand in the fourth one, the character motivation in the uh, Ghostface Killer. And and, and I like that aspect of it because I think in the original Scream, we understood the character motivation and it was a surprise. Maybe a little bit silly, but it made sense for the story that it was giving us. I shouldn't have let you doubt, let you put doubt in my head. Because it's actually it's 2011 the movie came out. Yeah, so mid 2000s. Is that considered mid? That's, oh, that's sorry, early 2010s. I'll say. Okay. I was thinking. It, I was thinking 2010s, but that was not. Yeah, I was thinking like it came out in like 2013 or something. But I just yeah, it's early 2010s. <laughs> Would be what it is. Yes. <laughs> I, I guess that's a way to say it. <laughs> I just wasn't. I wasn't phrasing it correctly. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, 2011. I did like the fourth one. I think it is better than I originally read on it when I went into there. I originally just skipped this movie because I heard that the sequels were bad. I think the third one's still bad. There's nothing redeemable about that still. As far as the reveals, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. We're definitely going to talk about it in the spoiler warnings. But something I noticed about, something I thought of while watching this film or afterwards is that 
the reveals aren't really, I don't think the reveals are the highlight so much. I don't think it's the reveal and the mystery that are the highlights. I think it's the monologues and the motivations that are really the highlight. Because with these movies, they spend so much, not even spend so much time, they don't want you to know who the, the killer is. They barely give you any hints. And if anything, you have to work backwards. It's not a mystery. It's not uh, murders on a train. You're not Daniel Craig as, I, f- I forget his name, the Kentucky guy. Benoit Blanc. Yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not sitting with them and trying to figure out who the killer is based on clues. Because honestly, they're not, they're not doing anything. It's just the characters are running around until we get to the final act. And I was thinking about that watching the fourth one because Gail says, I literally wrote the book on this. I can help you find out who it is. And I thought, Gail, it's been three movies. You haven't figured out who it was a single time. <laughs> and for the next three movies, you will not find out who it is based on your investigation. It is, it is all retrospect. But I think especially the first one, the first one set the bar because the monologue and the motivation is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it, it also comes down to the performances from those. I'm not going to go and spoil it in case you guys haven't seen Scream. Why you're listening to this review, I don't know. But don't go. Don't go. Stay. Stay. It's, this is a safe spot. Since we talked so much about the franchise last time, a question that I had for you is how this compares to other franchise. And I actually, I looked up some statistics, facts, ratings. I crunched some numbers. So, Caitlin, in, in your opinion, how does this compare to other horror franchises? I think that... My issue with the Scream franchise is that it tries to make it seem like it's better than other franchises because it has that meta commentary. Something that I was going to say about the franchise as a whole that doesn't work for me is the whole horror expert scenes and the horror expert character. And it's a format that I'm tired of. It's something that I'm tired because it's no longer smart anymore. Because, you know, Scream was, of course, a satire in its own way. But now with these franchises, you're getting, well, this is how franchises work. This is how horror sequel works. And you're trying to make it seem like you're something different than every other franchise. And at the end of the day, it's the same as every other franchise to me. It follows the same formulaic structure and it gets stuck in its own formula. And that's something that I'm just not really a fan of. I don't think the movie thinks it's better than... Others, I, I do get a, I think it's just poking fun, it's teasing, but I think it's overall, it's having fun, it's not trying to be above them. I agree with the horror expert scene. I think sometimes it works into the movie, like if it's in there naturally, I think Scream 4 did it well, but Scream 5, and especially this movie, the whole movie stops to have a scene. Mm-hmm. The fifth one can be argued because they're not only discussing the what what the motives are of the killers but they're trying to figure out who it could possibly be and in this movie it's like they stop and say hey this is what we're doing this time and honestly this time it doesn't work into the reveal this is the time when that the expert discussion doesn't match with the reveal of the movie Mm -hmm. however this franchise i mean just looking at numbers ratings not looking at box office i'll talk about box office in a second but just looking at the ratings and the appeal, both from critics and audience, this is actually one of the better horror movies. This is one of the more consistent, well-made horror movies. Not saying that all of them are fantastic like the first, but it, it only has one misstep, which is the third movie. Mm. And then from there, 
everybody pretty much enjoys the movies. Definitely the audience. The audience always has a greater score than the critics. What you laughing about? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that the third one's the only misstep for me personally, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, would you say the fifth one was bad? Um, or are you talking about the second one? I'm talking about the second one. I'm not a big fan of the second movie. Okay. The second one actually has lower ratings than people think it would have. And so you're not alone there. Hmm. The critics were actually the only ones that improved their score to the second one. And I think that's because a couple of critics say, oh, I get it now. See, you guys like this. And then the audience said, no, man, like that was like five years ago. We're, we're done. We moved on. <laughs> this isn't what we wanted. And I'm like, crap. But compared to other franchises, I mean, like, especially e- even the second one, I mean, you compared the Scream 2 to other twos out there in the horror franchise. I mean, I would pick this movie over Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I know we would differ with Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser 2, we definitely would pick this over. Possibly? Uh, that may be hand in hand for me. I would have to think about it. I would have to think about it if the end of Hellraiser, the final act, just didn't completely lose its budget. <laughs> True. But there's only one horror series that actually can be really seen as the number one looking at it rating-wise. And... Uh, this isn't favoritism, Caitlin. There's numbers on this. Mm. It's the Evil Dead franchise, which I was surprised about. I was originally oh, going to okay. come into this episode and say that Scream is probably like the best rated, is the best rated franchise. But then Evil Dead being relevant right now, thought about it. It's like, wait, no, they've, all their movies have been success and critic rating and definitely with audience as well. Okay. Well, audience kind of differ with their remake, but we'll talk about that because we are doing Evil Dead. Two, and we'll be doing the Legacy sequel. And the TV show. The TV show has a 100% and 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, which beats out the the Scream series. Granted, it was still canceled, unfortunately, but everybody blames stars more than anything else. Speaking of TV series, I will say that the Scream TV series, which you haven't seen, but I have, uh, I actually really enjoyed that. And looking online, I was looking at some stuff from it, and it seems like it has... Still a pretty good following, a lot of people who look on it fondly. I mean, it's an MTV series, and, I mean, you get... You know what to expect from MTV series, but at the same time, it was it was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie, when it first was announced, uh, I was I was young. Guys, like uh, everyone is at some point. Mm-hmm. And I was a bit of a purist. I was like, what is this mask? Get this mask out of here. This isn't true scream. It's not, but that's why I think it works. It, it definitely doesn't... It goes in a very, very different direction, and I think it worked for it. I've heard decent good things about it. Now, the bottom of the list, say Chainsaw Massacre, Hellraiser feels unkind to say because after two, they were just all straight-to-DVD sequels, and they only had one big star, and that was Henry Cavill. And that was Henry Cavill during that time, which honestly isn't a big star. Wasn't a big star. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is awful. (laughs) Halloween, I'm sorry, Halloween does... Rating-wise, it's on the lower end. I know you you appreciate that, and I know there are Halloween fans that appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that The Curse of the Witch has recently been more favor, uh, favorable. Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch. My, what's Curse of the Witch? I don't know. Curse, you're thinking of Curse of Michael Myers. Oh, yeah, comparing those two. God, that one was awful. Yeah, that, that one was Curse really of bad. Myers. That was kind of interestingly bad. Mm-hmm. Not worth watching it, but worth reading about what happened. That's the only time I've ever seen a director's cut that was worse than the producer's cut. <laughs> yeah. Box office wise, I mean, Scream isn't bad, but it's not up there 
actually the Conjuring series, which is closer to the upper half of being well-received that they didn't throw in Annabelle, The Nun, and La Llorona. I, I don't think La Llorona is technically the same. It is. They buried it, though. They, they knew the movie wasn't going to do well because there were posters originally that said part of the Conjuring universe. And you look it up, it's part of the Conjuring universe. But they started to bury that tagline because they just didn't want to be connected to that movie. Gotcha. Like, because there's no real connection with the Conjuring. Uh, the Devil Made Me Do It was not very good. No, that was that was my worst inclusion of a franchise that year. Yeah. And Annabelle 2 is good. Yeah. But that th- that franchise alone has made $2.1 billion. So it's, I think it's a billion above Alien, which is the next up on the list. What about uh, Insidious? Insidious is middle ground because they only had three movies. Mm-hmm. So it's even hard to say if it's a franchise. Now, James Wan himself, I'll be interested to see how much money he's made just from his films or how much, you know, they made box office with his films. Mm-hmm. That's probably why he gets to do whatever he wants right now. Yeah. So before we get into the actual discussion of this film, one more question. Is there anything you wanted from this film, Caitlin? Yeah, I mean, coming out of the fifth scream, like I said, I was invested in the characters of Sam and Tara. And particularly for Sam, in Scream 5, we kind of got to toy with her descent into evil and madness because of her connection to a certain serial killer. And so I was excited to see that plot continue on into this film and probably to see that descent a little bit more. Uh, Some other things that I was hoping for this film, I know that Neve Campbell had turned down this film because there wasn't going to be much of a role for her. And that made me happy. (laughs) Uh, Not anything against Neve Campbell, but I know some people were upset because they're like, oh, well, it's her film. She deserves a big... It's her franchise. She deserves a bigger part. And I'm like, no, like she's had her time. Uh, I think all of our legacy characters have had their time in the spotlight. So I was hoping for less reliance on legacy characters. Now going into this, I knew that Gail Weathers was returning. Uh, A character from the fourth screen was going to be in this as well. So I know that we weren't going to get rid of them completely, much to my chagrin. But... I was hoping that there was going to be less reliance on them. But if there was one legacy character that I would have liked to see, it was Stu Mocker. And we'll talk a little bit about that later in our spoiler section. For me, I wanted to see a more ruthless ghost face. And that's what got me excited for this movie. I want to see Mm -hmm. a ghost face that can actually not look like he's skating around on ice every time he's running. Which is great for the first couple films. But at this point, the sixth movie, come on. Somebody's got to be serious about this. Enough playing around. Though it does make sense because most of the, the ghost face killers, are, they're amateurs with super strength to throw people through windows. Yeah, I also was looking forward to more gore, some more exciting kill scenes, um, because we saw a little bit of that in the last film, but I was hoping it was going to kind of up that up and probably have a little bit less of those long jump scare takes that we saw in Scream 5. I wanted less of that. So I was hoping definitely for more exciting kills in general. I'm always looking for more exciting kills. That's kind of the expectation with every horror movie. Is like, hey, you got to make, you don't always have to go bigger, but you just have to make a creative one. At mm-hmm. least you need one creative one to top the last one. Yeah. Another thing that I would like to see in these movies is an actual mystery to solve. But I know that takes a certain writing skill. I'm not saying it's bad that they're not making these so much of a mystery because I don't think they're really trying to. 
Like I said, you're not trying to solve this. So many of the clues are in retrospect. You taking a guess on this, on the killer, is mostly a guess. Actually, I did guess part of this reveal, but like I wouldn't have went to court with it. Mm-hmm. Like My case file was thin. <laughs> I was glad to see Kirby here. So I was like, all right, I'd like to see other other legacy characters. I'm glad Nate Campbell wasn't in this. And that's the problem with these legacy sequels, the people saying, well, it's their franchise. They need to be in it. No, first off, it's their creative project. They don't need to do anything. And Nate Campbell didn't. I mean, she is an excellent part of this film, but if there's no role there, or if you're making a role, like the third movie, the third movie, they just brought her in. The fifth movie, they just brought her in. There was no, honestly, you go back and watch those films, take out Nate Campbell, what changes? Pretty much nothing. So I was, it sucked because the reason she wasn't in here is one, because of the, the size of the role, but also they didn't want to pay her more for this movie. But I'll get to that in a second of why they didn't want to pay her more. And Caitlin, now, you being the uh, the screen guest here, what was your opinion of the film? Uh, with no spoilers, I will say I flip-flopped a lot on this film. There was moments that I really enjoyed and moments that I didn't so much. And uh, part of the things that I didn't like was the legacy characters. Like I said, unfortunately, we did have those legacy characters return and it seemed like when they were on the screen it was a little bit of a detriment to the movie even Kirby uh Kirby I I was happy to see Hayden Panettiere but I I don't know that I enjoyed her in this film um I don't think that her storyline was exactly what I would have wanted for her and in general like this movie faltered towards the end for me But there were moments that I just really, really liked. Like you said, there is a ruthless ghost face in this film. And I I liked that. There were some good kill scenes. There was a lot more gore. And one thing that I really liked was how he operated. Something that made this film scarier to me was that a lot of the kills took place in public areas, in daylight, in plain sight. Uh, there's one scene that takes place in a bodega that is just wonderful. I I really enjoyed that scene. There was good tension there. Um, as far as our returning characters, I think that once again, I really like Sam. I really like Tara. I really like some of the secondary characters that came along with that. Some of them, not as much as others, but I think that that cast could have held on their own without these legacy characters. And when I saw them holding on their own, that's times when I, I enjoyed the film a lot. I'm going to start my review with some financial advice. Continue watching Paramount stock. Paramount does not have many years left. Luckily for them, Scream and Top Gun did amazing last year. So I think they have a couple more years because of them. But I think, Par- and I don't think they expected those movies because nobody expected those movies to do as well as they did. Mm. Even Scream came out to streaming very soon i'm guessing it was it was planned because they didn't think it was going to do so well in theaters but it did great however the reason i say this is because this film was rushed and we were already talking i think everybody noticed it It like wait this film's coming out a year later Mm -hmm. and the way they greenlit this film the it seemed like they even the green light was unexpected so maybe there was like a executive that told the writers and directors like hey if this movie does well we may give you a sequel so start thinking about it now what you would like to do which means they had to write, direct, pre-produce, produce, and post-produce and release a movie in less than 12 months. And 
they went to a bigger they went to a bigger uh, scene and a bigger set working with New York City. I don't know if this was all shot in New York City, but I don't know if all the sets were in New York. But that's a lot of permits. That's a lot of that's a lot of money. But that's that's honestly the biggest problem for me in this film is that it are the things that I can tell were rushed. That the screenwriting wasn't tight. There's a lot of there's some holes in here, like some big holes. I'm not talking about you know you think about it a couple of days later and you think. Oh man, they really missed that. No, it's how did you not see that? Direction wise, I think they had a short time on certain sets because there are things that happen and I look at it and think they should have reshot that. Like that's not we'll, we'll talk about some of the, the crazy things that I noticed later, but like this you obviously see this right now. And even a casual watcher will question some things. Also, there's no need for 3D in this movie. I went to the fan event, which by the way, uh, was good. It's funny now that Thursday movie, the advanced screenings are no longer on midnight and they just, movies just play on Thursdays now. Yeah. We need to stop calling it advanced screening. This one was an actual advanced the- screening because instead of seven o'clock, it came out five o'clock. Oh. Yeah, I know. Getting there real early. I had to camp out. No, because we have assigned seats too. Though I do kind of miss the whole midnight thing. Like when we saw Harry Potter. Yeah. Well, you I- saw it with your group. I saw it with my group. Yeah. My crew. <laughs> but yeah, the 3D, I think, was just, even when I took off the glasses and like looked at the screen, I was like, there's barely a difference. They didn't shoot this in 3D. They tacked that on just so they can get a couple extra dollars from the box office. Yeah. So I, when I saw it, I was originally going to go to an earlier showing than what I did. And then I was like, oh, that's 3D. <laughs> I- I'm not so sure about that. I was like, I guess I can wait another hour and see the Dolby instead. So I ended up seeing it in the Dolby Cinema, which was which was actually a really good experience. Uh, it it was wild. The sound was was really cool. There were times that the whole theater felt like it was shaken. So I recommend jealous. that. Yeah, but yeah, as soon as I saw it was 3D, I was like, they they still make 3D movies. <laughs> this is still James a Cameron thing. James Cameron does. Ugh, I was like, why is this still a thing? I thought we were past this gimmick. I think honestly. Because of James Cameron, Avatar did well because there was no talk about this being 3D Mm-mm. during yeah. like the whole promo and the making of this film. There was no talk of 3D and there's no reason for this movie to be 3D. It's barely a difference. And you get unlike Avatar, you get used to it like right off the bat. Like yeah. There's absolutely no definition. Like I understand why James Cameron did it, but a lot was put into the 3D. And I would say at least it taught me that there's different levels of 3D. And if you there's like a certain way to shoot it, if you put in the time and the money, you can really make a big difference. But with this, no. I think it was just to get a couple extra dollars. Yeah. Which is upsetting because this could have been better. And I think in some ways it is better than Scream 2. And I think this could have held on its own against the original Scream if they had more time in that writing and in that direction. The previous characters have returned from the fifth one, and they're fantastic together. Like you said, they can hold their own by themselves. We don't need legacy characters. Mm-hmm. And luckily, we only have really two here. We have Gail and Kirby, maybe others. But those are the ones that you see in the trailers. And honestly, Kirby, again, could have been written out just like Sydney could have. And she, she had like, it was cool to see her at least, and they didn't try to give her too much screen time. Gail was just doing the same gimmick she does before. You got to let me come with you to report this story. Somebody tries to punch her in the face. She has to fight the ghost face killer at some point. It's it's the same thing you always see with her. And and none of it is more impressive. Yeah, and the thing with Kirby too is they they made some 
jokes, remarks that like didn't work for me because in this film, I don't think this is a spoiler. She plays in like a an older. She's supposed to be with the FBI. That's kind of or like a law enforcement type character, and. Gail interacts with her and she's like, oh, you look too young. You're like a baby. I can't believe this. You're like in diapers or hiring people in diapers for the FBI now. And I'm like, this woman does not look young. Hayden Pantier, she's older than me. Uh, and she, she looks like she's had some work done over years. No judgment. She looks good, but she definitely looks age appropriate. She looks older than the Hayden Panettiere that that we knew from our childhood, which is natural woman age. So those comments, they just felt unnecessary. I didn't really know why they were there other than maybe to make a commentary, but that's how people view millennials because you hear that all the time, like the infant infantilization of millennials when we're all like working old, we're in our 30s now. So unless it was supposed to be a commentary on that, which I don't really think it was that smart, uh, it just seemed unnecessary. And so I didn't really understand the conversations around her character. No, I think that's just another writing fault. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's just a bad joke. Yeah, cause it doesn't, I didn't think about it at the time, but yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like she clearly looks like she could... Like, do you know the age that people can go into the FBI? And, like, she's... Like, if it... No offense to Hayden Pantier. Like, like I said, she looks good. But she's clearly has some Botox going on, some other stuff going on, work going on. Or at least it, it appears that she has. Uh, Like, she looks older. I mean, she looks like she's aged gracefully, but she definitely looks older. Especially because, I mean, when she played the high schooler, she was already in her yeah. 20s. Yeah, exactly. So I guess in movie world, she looks to be young because that because you always play somebody like 10 or 20 years younger than you. So I guess movie world, that's how 20 year olds look. Maybe. I don't know. But I really like the the core four. Actually, I said it. I think I had it out, though. But I said the I said it in our award show. Talking about and, Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. OK. You, you remember did, you did it. You didn't edit out because I was listening to that today. Yeah, and and when I said it, I was like, wait, she hasn't seen Scream. Never mind. But they're fantastic together, and when they're together, that's when I I feel like we're really having the fun that this franchise is known for and expected to have. So the legacy characters, they don't take too much away. And I'm honestly, I like Nave Campbell. I mean, Sydney is one of my favorite final girls, but she doesn't need to be in this film. The kills are delivered by the most vicious ghost face. I'll say that. That bodega scene, mm-hmm. that convenience store, I don't know what the difference is. You, I saw a clip of it, and I, that's what got me excited. I was like, "Oh, that looks ruthless!" And then watching it in the movie, oh, he he goes off, yeah, or she goes off on some people. As far as the core four, I will say that Mindy and Chad didn't always work for me. Chad, I think, works for me more so than Mindy because Mindy plays the movie expert, and that she had scenes that just just annoyed the crap out of me. And I mean, it's it's not her fault. It's just her writing. But there were other things about those characters that happened later on in the film that really, really irritated me. And we'll talk about that in spoilers. Chad, I like Mindy. Eh, half and half. I think some will be disappointed by the ending. Now you mentioned something already, and I'm like, ah, I can see how you felt about it. I know when Devin the rookie came to talk to me about this film, and like I said, I'm proud of him because he goes on rants now. <laughs> the first thing he started ranting about was this was this reveal. He said he was enjoying the movie all throughout, and then th- this just ruined it for him. And he subjected the people that he went to the theater with to his rant. Yeah. But 
is not the worst in the the franchise. So I guess that's something, but I don't I think it is the weakest. I don't necessarily think it's bad. I think it's the weakest though. And again, it's something that writing could have actually helped out. And we'll talk about that later because I, I have some ideas personally that I think would have worked. Now, Caitlin, you can tell me whether or not that makes for a bad uh, film. But I already have like 30 pages of the screenplay written. <laughs> Other than that, this is an improvement. And I think this is more promising than any of the other sequels as for what can be done and what can come from this lineup. Yeah, I agree. I think that this film showed a lot of promise. And like I said, there was a lot of moments that I really did enjoy. A lot of scenes, like I said. But the two leads that we have, I think they're fantastic. I think that it tried to do something different from their storyline than what we've seen in the past. Um, And I think that added a more interesting, complex layer to the story. And they do something with Sam Carpenter and her relation to one of the killers that... In the last movie, I thought, what was the point of this? In this movie, they didn't really play on it like heavily, mm-hmm. but they still they still used it to their advantage story-wise, and I thought that was good. I thought that was cool. I think that was relevant to today as well. I was reading an article about this movie, and I didn't catch it fully at first, but it's a commentary on how women are kind of made to be the subject in an incident through the media. While they're at first the victims or uh, actually the victims. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What do you mean by the subject? Uh, being the subject as being the aggressor. Okay. So originally they're a victim of some kind of harm, either um, defamation of character, domestic assaults, and then later on they're turned into the the subject, whether right or wrong. But it seems like it, it happens a lot. Yeah, I think that element of the story... It's hard to talk about spoilers and saying what exactly we're talking about. Um, I, I don't really think it's a spoiler, to be honest. No, no, it's not. It's not a spoiler. Basically, they're saying that Sam Carpenter, they're the media is going around and it's gone all around social media as well that Sam was actually the killer of the last movie. We won't say who the actual killer was, but they're basically saying that no, she twisted the story and she was actually the murderer because of her biology, her bloodline, her bloodline. Yeah, so there's this big conspiracy theory that she orchestrated the whole of Scream 5. For me, it didn't work. I can see how that is relevant and, and could be real in a way, but at, at the same time, I thought it was a little forced, and I thought it was just forced in order to move the plot line to a certain point with the reveal, and I didn't I didn't really like that, to be honest. Okay, I felt differently. I liked it. I definitely think it's believable because I've heard crazier conspiracy theories and also, I can see people jumping in on this. Now, granted, there were too many people that were aware of this. Yeah, I think that was my issue. Yeah, because like everyone knew about it. People were just coming up to her the street and mentioning it to her. And it was just like this big thing. And I just felt like it was just overblown. Whereas I feel like I, I could understand if like there was like a niche true crime community that believed it. And we're talking about it. But for like the whole country to be, oh my gosh, she's the real killer. Like that didn't make sense to me. I thought that was overblown. Another thing that I liked in this movie was the distrust and the tension. Just the constant like, we don't know who to trust. I think that was more so done in this film than any other. Uh, I feel like they had it a bit in five. Particularly, I remember a conversation between Mindy and 
I want to say her name's Amber, but I don't think that's her name. Oh, yeah. It's Amber or Ashley, something with an A. Yeah, they have a Aurora. conversation about, like, not trusting each other. And it was it was kind of a humorous moment. So I, I, I think they did play it some in five. What did you think about the opening of this film? Because I thought the opening, this is one of the better openings. And Scream's famous for their openings. Yeah, uh, I agree. I really liked the opening to this. It was definitely a... um. A red herring, I guess you can say. Yeah, it was a red herring. Um, it was very unique for the franchise. It was something that it's never really done before, but it didn't feel too gimmicky either. There's also a ton of horror Easter eggs in this film. Jason goes to Manhattan. Somebody mentions Argento, which I found funny because mm-hmm. we just talked about that two months ago. Also, I saw, I've been seeing Gale as more of a problem in these films than anything <laughs> else. After watching the fourth one, and then seeing this one, I was like, man, Gail, yeah, no, she's she's not the hero here. Yeah, no. <laughs> I guess I'll talk about the issues in direction and writing in the in the spoiler section. I'll save that. But I did enjoy this film. Like I had a I had a great time with this. Did it have some faults? Yes. Did it have some flaws? Definitely. But overall, I had a good time. I wouldn't mind watching this again. Do I need to see it in theaters again? No. Do I need to see it in 3D again? No. (laughs) But I'm down to, again, watch this with someone who hasn't seen it yet streaming. But I think if you do like Scream, I think this is worth going to the theater for. It's a a fun time. It's a fun theater going experience. I feel like it's mostly well crafted too, as far as the visuals for the most part. Uh, The color grading, like it feels modern. It doesn't feel uh too like hokey it doesn't feel dated or anything it feels it feels you know it, it looks nice and um i think it, it would play well on a big screen i definitely want to see it again because i know i'm talking a lot of bad stuff about it and um but there like i said there's a lot of things I, I really did like and a lot of the kills were fun and uh that ruthless uh ghost face and the tension that's in this film were really great i I wish that i could remember those moments a little bit more strongly the moments that i liked uh i think i'm remembering a lot of the moments i didn't like a little bit stronger at the moment but i would like to go back and rewatch that and when you mentioned the color grading this movie it also is very bright during the daytime and even the nighttime they Mm -hmm. have ample lighting going on so everything does look good in this movie well, it's time to pull back that mask once again, or masses. I don't, I don't know how to like enunciate that to where it sounds plural. <laughs> mask guy. So if you have not seen the movie and you do not want to spoil it for you, please do not continue. But do come back when you do. For those who have seen the movie or for those odd individuals that would like to continue on knowing the movie. I don't, I don't understand that. Like I kind of get it for movies that you really don't want to see. But I was watching a movie with my aunt. And it was a movie I've seen, and she wanted me to tell her, like, who who the kidnapper was. Oh. Only 30 minutes in the movie. And I said, I've never seen this before. I just lied. I said, I've never seen this before. She said, all right. <laughs> and she looked it up on her phone right then and there. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I'm not a person that cares too much about spoilers overall. But, like, for movies like this, like, I don't want to know who the killer is. Like, I prefer not to know. Yes. I, I mean, I'm sensitive to spoilers. I'm sensitive overall. Mm. Yeah, see, I feel like some people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you spoiled this. Like, this is the end of the world. And I'm like, eh. Like, if I see something, either I'm going to forget it by the time I get to the movie, or two, it's not really going to impact how I view the movie at all. Yeah, if I had your memory, that, that would be fine. <laughs> but with my memory, no, it's too strong. Like, you're going to ruin the Like, 
either now I got to go in with it spoiled or I got to wait after um, like years down the line. I think my issue is just like the social media age. Like if you really don't want something to be spoiled, then don't go on social media instead of putting it on others to bear responsibility not to spoil it for you. Like I understand like, okay, it literally just came out like or like for people who see pre-screenings not to be talking too much about it before it even comes out in theaters. But I think that like in general, I feel like people place you not wanting to see spoilers on other people too much on social media. And that's my, my pet peeve. Like just stay off social media. (laughs) It's not that hard. Yeah. I stay off social media. I forget, I forget what movie I think it was Endgame. I wasn't on social media for like two weeks. Yeah. And that I get now, I think in person, I think it's social etiquette. Yeah. To ask the person, hey, have you seen this? Are you wanting to see this? Mm-hmm. And then continue from there. But if you're just going around the city and just like extra, extra, read all about it, ghost faces this, Game of Thrones ends like this, <laughs> then yeah, you may yeah. you know, you may get pushed on incoming traffic. Yeah, I'm specifically talking about like the social media aspect of it. Because that's a lot of times. People ask for too much on social media. Yeah, they do. They do. <laughs> all right, we're getting to those spoilers that we were talking about like, 10 minutes before this time. <laughs> Got a little sidetracked there. A little bit. First question I want to ask you before we continue our in-depth opinions. Do you feel that this movie was needed, wanted, at least welcome, or was it pointless? I think that it was needed for a continuation of the last film. Do I think that this franchise needed for reboot? Uh, maybe not in this way. Like I said, we have a TV series. Um, I would be okay if it go in a different direction. But as far as the requel format, I don't know that that was something that I particularly wanted. And that goes for five as well. But I think that where five ended was Sam's story that I needed to see something more continuation of her story. Yeah, in that sense, I would say it was it was needed. I think more than anything, though, is it was wanted. Like it was, it was welcomed to be here. I think more wanted than the fifth one was. Okay. Yeah, like the fifth one was like, all right, let's see what you got. And then they did, they did decent. So everybody was like, all right, cool, give us another. Yeah. And also, does any movie really need a sixth movie other than <laughs> Harry Potter? <laughs> no. So the reveal. All right, let's just get this one out of the way. The reveal of the killers. Yep, that's right. Plural. A lot of plural uh, extensions today. Which, okay, so I didn't realize before I watched this that the third movie is the only one with a single killer. Yes. Interesting. And it was the dumbest one. <laughs> Multiple killers wouldn't have made it any better, but man, it was it was bad. Yeah. For this, I I knew that it was the cop. The cop, I was like, all right, he sealed it for me. There's a time, there's a point where he mentions she was the only family that I had left. And I thought, what about the rest of your family? And I was like, is this Stumacher's brother? No, no, it's not Stumacher. So even though they keep hinting at it, and I'm pretty, I don't know if they're messing with us or he's going to be the finale to this reboot. But on the poster, that's what really sparked the theories. His name has a different design than the other names. Interesting. And then while I was watching this, I noticed that on the whiteboard, he has a question mark next to his name, mm-hmm. next to his picture. And they made a comment in the movie, like, is he even still alive? <laughs> so... We may still get it. And I think, you know what? Actually, a grand finale would be better with him mm-hmm. if you're going to save him for something. Yeah. 
That's what I kind of thought. That okay, I was like, okay, so they might be building up for another movie, and then we'll have them then, which makes sense. I think the thing too with Stu is just that because the original Scream Two concept centered around him, that it would be a good uh, callback to that for fans too as well. And I think it's the only ghost killer that you can bring back because he's the only one that hasn't been double tapped. All other ghost killers have mm-hmm. been double tapped. True. Yep. All of them got a shot in the head. All he got was a TV. Was uh Timothy Oliphant double tapped? Who? Uh, Scream 2. Yeah, because she comes back like she does the boogie 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 boo with her hands. No, no, no. And uh, Timothy Oliphant. Oh, him. I don't remember. I don't remember either. He was forgettable. He was forgettable. Yeah, Joe Roberts could come back. It'd just be weird seeing a ghost face in a wheelchair because she definitely lost some motor skills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I'll watch it, though. Jill Roberts? Emma Roberts? Or is the character named Jill Roberts? I forget. I think the character is actually named Jill Roberts. Her oh, name okay. is Jill. Gotcha. I was like, wait a second. That sounds right, but also not right at the same time. Yeah, it is Jill Roberts. Emma Roberts played Jill Roberts. <laughs> I think, and this is really where I say, it's not so much the reveal, but... It's really the monologue and the motive. And I was like, this one, okay, I see the connection. You can go with it. And I, I like that there were three ghost face. I was actually guessing that it was three ghost face as well. Again, there's nothing that makes you think that like, there's no hypothesis for it. I'm just guessing here because of how we we come through the films. My problem is I wish that they would have showed two ghost faces. So only one movie do you have one ghost face but none of the movies do you ever see two ghost faces running around at the same time. You saw it. And I think, when? Uh, when uh, Quinn and whatever his name is, both had the ghost face get up on and are both just stabbing Chad. Yeah, yeah, that was the end though. Okay. we never seen it before the climatic gotcha. fight. Okay. And I thought that would have been cool because I've been a, that would have been a misdirection right there. You saw the two, so you're like, all right, everybody's thinking, well, yeah, it's two of them. We usually do the two ghost faces. This makes sense. But no, they're like two and then three immediately. And I think having two ghost faces would actually have made for cooler scenes. Like imagine if Gail was fighting two ghost faces oh, that been in cool. that apartment. That would have been cool. Right? Yeah. Granted, she was fighting a uh, super uh, ghost face over here <laughs> because how, no matter which ghost face it was, they picked up that muscular, full grown man. Who had to weigh <laughs> close or over 200 pounds, dead weight, and thrown him through a bookcase on the other side of a wall. That was the other thing, because for me, watching this film, Quinn was definitely the more ruthless ghost face when we saw her unmasked. But she can't lift that grown man. <laughs> no, it wasn't the cop, because the cop got left behind. Yeah, so I'm like, who, how did they do that? <laughs> I mean, we've never seen Ethan without a shirt. Maybe he's just ripped. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that was his whole thing. That would have been funny. If he took off the mask and then he took off the cloak. That would be funny. Yeah, the reveal uh, didn't do it for me. The cop, I also started to suspect. I wasn't positive. Um, if the actor, Dermot Mulroney, I think his name is, he had some blind deliveries in there where he just became like Batman for a bit. And I was like, this is hilarious. Like, this can't be. <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> Um, and so, like, I started to question him. Uh, we already knew that he had a dead son, uh, that I figured would come back somehow. I I don't think I, I didn't guess how or who his dead son was, but I knew that it made sense for that to come in because they mentioned it a couple times. 
And the moment he said, oh, don't trust Kirby, I was like, oh, yeah, it's him. <laughs> I thought the same thing, especially for the excuse I was like, he gave. why would you say it? <laughs> she's mentally unstable. If I had the phone, uh, wait, what? Yeah, she's mentally unstable. What does that mean in this context? Are you saying that she's unstable? She got kicked out of the FBI, became Ghostface and hunted me down? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're telling me right now? Kirby, where are you at? We need to team up. Yeah. As soon as they said, I was like, okay, it's definitely not Kirby. <laughs> Because there was a moment where I questioned, I was like, could it be Kirby? And then it's like, oh, but it's Kirby. Nope, but it's definitely not her. <laughs> and I thought about the cop, too, with Quinn. And I thought, I wonder if he faked the death. And I thought, no, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So maybe he he did just kill her. He's actually crazy. Yeah. But with, with Quinn's death, there are so many, there's too many plot holes. Mm-hmm. I get it. You show yeah. up first on scene, you transfer the body. All right. What happens when forensics comes in and what happens when they do an autopsy and what happens when they send the blood off to the labs? Are you telling me you're bribing everybody down this road? Is there that much corruption in the police force? (laughs) Yep. And nobody wants to do dirty business with somebody that's clearly insane. Because once he starts explaining why he's doing it, they're like, dude, just take the the hundred grand back. I don't want to be involved in this. I'm going to transfer. You do whatever you want. That's the thing, like when his Batman voice was coming out in those scenes, like I said, he was like, oh, I want vengeance. I want to track him down and kill him, even though they took me off the case, except in like a Batman voice. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, but he's not stable. <laughs> I wasn't thinking during that time. But now, yeah, again, retrospect. OK. And I, so I know Devin really didn't like you. He's like, really? We got three, four crazy family members. Mental illness is hereditary. But I I think one thing, I think it could have been paying an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, with the crazy family. I mean, I think it was paying an homage to itself in Scream 2, where we had Billy Loomis's mother, except now we have the last movie's killer's father and family. So, And, and I didn't like that part of the second Scream, so I certainly didn't like it in this Scream. That makes sense. It just I did like the final fight between them all, though I think... Uh, so I learned something in Kabatas in hand-to-hand combat training, okay. which is stabbing a person. Stabbing them a couple times to get them off of you is counted as self-defense. Stabbing somebody 30 times is murder. <laughs> hey, I mean, like you said, got to double tap, uh, 30 times tap, but I don't know how you say that. <laughs> Stab the man in his eye, which was cool, by the way, but it was a little, that felt a little too dark because Jenna Ortega gave her the okay, like you have authorization to kill this man and she stabbed him in the eye. Like, uh, I don't know how really, this seems kind of messed up. Like you two are both standing over this man who is clearly mentally ill. His arms don't work right now because you stabbed them a hundred each <laughs> and then you just execute him. See, I like that movement. Maybe I'm a little sadistic or something here, but I like that moment because, you know, we see that side of Sam coming out, what she's afraid of, but also with all that they've been through, I mean, I get it. <laughs> all right. All right. If it as, were, much I mean, as, as much as Ghostface always comes back, I, I get it. <laughs> I, I guess it could be a warning. Well, I mean, just like, uh, you just got to be sure. <laughs> It's it's like the Michael Myers of Halloween ends. <laughs> How much they brutalized him. Yeah, she's like start dragging the body. Jenna Ortega's like, "What are you doing, Sam? I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in a paper shredder, <laughs> meat grinder." Yeah, and I liked it. I mean, I, I I enjoyed it, and I feel like they were both 
brutal and i liked that that sam wasn't alone in that brutality but she kind of shared that with tara so I, yeah I that, that was moment. nice i like the sister moment i like the the sibling moment where she's like trust me and she slowly hands her a gun in this perilous situation mm-hmm. it was a knife it was a knife oh yeah it was a knife which i was like all right this is cool but at the same time you can move a little bit faster mm-hmm. now i have a problem a huge problem with the scene that comes up ahead because there was absolutely no reason they should have got past editing unless they couldn't go back to the set. Do you know what it is? Uh, I'm not sure. So Sam goes ahead. She puts one into Quinn's head, dead, on the spot. The cop shows up. She goes ahead, pulls the trigger. No bullets. He has a gun. He pulls out the gun. They're about 20 feet from each other, and they start running towards each other because she ran out of bullets. So she just, it's like a a moment between the two, you know, the protagonist and the antagonist charging at one another. So you think, oh, he must be out of bullets. When he reaches her, when they close distance and they run into each other, he shoots off a round. And there's, you literally see him, there's a shot of him literally running with the gun pointed at her and he's running towards her. Yeah, I, I didn't see that scene in the same way you did. How how could you make that make sense, though? Is a projectile weapon. So I, I completely, when I saw that scene, I saw something completely different happen. And I'm not saying you're wrong, but that wasn't visually what I registered from that scene. So I, I thought they were pretty close together, and he was getting ready to shoot her. I didn't see him move towards her at all. Uh, oh, he, okay. I, I just saw her moving quickly in front of him so that he doesn't have that distance to shoot her. I w- thought she wanted to get close up on him so he couldn't, so she would knock the gun up and not have the opportunity to shoot her. That's what I saw. That I can get. But no, Devin and I, we didn't see the same, we didn't go to the same showtimes. He had a, he has his privilege with the pre-screenings. So he went and saw that and then I saw the movie and no, like Devin said, like when I said it, he was like, yeah, man, he just... And he reenacted the guy charging with a gun as if he had a sword in hand and he was mounted on a horse. No, I didn't see that at all. Unless you're talking about a different scene. I mean, maybe it's something I just have to watch again. Maybe it's just uh, you trying to be more aware of it. For me, it wasn't an issue. It was a non-issue. Okay, maybe I looked a little too close. Maybe it was a, a editing misstep that I that I registered. Again, I do see those more so this as possible. Kind of like the, the bullet train gun that I could tell that the magazine was in when the magazine wasn't supposed oh, to be yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I catch that stuff. But Devin saw it too. I I don't know. We have to wait for it to come in streaming. Yeah. Like I said, I just, I mean, maybe it's just my mind filling in the gaps, uh, which is something that, you know, as an audience, you do that a lot with editing and film. You also have poor memory. I'm not trying to like. No, because I like specifically remember that moment and thinking it okay. was, oh, I see what she's doing. Okay, I put that as a flaw as the movie because I thought the casual watcher would catch that because it was it was it was amateurish. Yeah, I I didn't catch it. All right, did you at least catch how they found out that Gail is the one being hunted and they're on the other side of New York City? I don't know how big New York City is, but they're in broad daylight. By the time they reach Gail, it is night, like not questionable night, not dawn, not like you see the sun peeking over. No, owls are out and people are putting babies to bed kind of night. Yeah, I was like, oh, they must have hit some serious traffic. <laughs> and why didn't they call her? Yeah, well, she did. They did call her, and she didn't pick up. They, it was too late by the time that Gail saw that she was calling. That doesn't make any sense, because when they found out, 
again, it was broad daylight. Why yeah, didn't they like call I said, her? But, but time doesn't make sense for the daylight, but they did call her. So I think it's supposed to, I think that we're supposed to believe that it was a short amount of time than what was shown through the lighting. I think it was a lighting mistake. A huge lighting mistake because there's a scene where her, like, the whole wall of her house, the whole southwest wall mm-hmm. is just glass. Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's one of those fancy glass openings. So it's not like we've seen the sun peering through and now we don't. No, it's, hey, this is New York City at nighttime. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely there, but I it didn't bother me. All right. That well, seems I, like a cinema sins nitpick. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Because I think again, it is. <laughs> if if I saw it like peering through a window, maybe like that's a nitpick. But when it's shown in my face, like it's present. Like imagine if this was outside and that happened. I think this. I would think the same thing. But that's because you see pretty much half of the screen is outside. I don't. I don't think those are nitpicks. I have to get some other opinions. I need to find out who else has seen this movie. Because uh, I, I I can't count Devin as a vote because, you know, that's like an extension of me. So maybe we just have like the same brain waves or something. Like we have like the same, I don't know, maybe that's a a dominant gene for us is to know. see mistakes like this. Maybe. It's also like I'm, you know, I've been on the other side with editing and like there's things that honestly that there are mistakes that are made that you know that the casual moviegoer is not going to watch like you might notice it because you're looking for it but a lot of times you know movie magic it it fills in gaps in your brain and it's it's for a casual watcher it's really not a big deal and for me like yeah that is a little bit more than just like your average everyday mistake i mean it definitely was a mistake but for me it it wasn't a big deal because it didn't really influence how i viewed the scene it didn't influence anything like that when it comes to like actually me taking away points of the film i would have to see it as a disturbance to the film like i said bullet train grand there's a lot more to complain about during that movie those editing mistakes i didn't i didn't hold it against i was like all right i see how you guys missed that Nobody else is going to catch that aside from me and other people who look at it. I mean, actually, Devin didn't even notice that one. Mm-hmm. I I paused the film and rewinded. I was like, wait, did you just see that? And th- those kind of things, like, I'm like, all right, yeah, we, we all make mistakes. You know, it happens in, in all forms. There's plenty of things that I've done that have, like, gone through the final process, and I look at later and see, oh, wait, there's a mistake here still. So it, I definitely understand, especially with less than a year. But when... With this, I saw as just a straight disturbance to the film. Like the lighting was an interruption, and that charging in with a pistol was laughable. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't think it was that serious (laughs) for me because I was focused on what I thought mattered, which was the fact that we're might be having a death of a legacy character or bringing a legacy character for this big old scene, which for me, you know, it didn't really make any sense why they were killing Gail to begin with. Or going after Gale with these particular three. It seemed like just a way to shoe in a legacy character. And perhaps a legacy death. Not really. Which is another uh, big moment. But I'll talk about shortly or in a moment after we finish this. Because character deaths is something that bothered me a lot with this film. Yeah, so I mean I was focused on how is this scene adding to this story. I don't really care so much about the little tiny nitpicks or little tiny like details like that. For me, that was tiny. Yeah, for for me, it wasn't tiny. And I still, I focused on the other film. Actually, I was trying to focus on the whole story aspect, everything. But then I was just hit by nighttime New York. And I was like, wait a minute, hold up. Like the last scene, I was 
squint in my eyes because it was so bright. But now, yeah. But you mentioned the character deaths. Yes, she does not die. And honestly, I didn't want her to die because I felt like they were, they would just be repeating what they did last time. Mm-hmm. And but I want I hope that this is like her final stab, and now she takes a rest. I agree from this. My issue with this film, and I think even more so than the reveal, my biggest complaint with this film is that nobody freaking died. So uh, Quinn's death was fabricated. Uh, Mindy gets stabbed and she's like running, jogging to her team like nothing happened the next scene after she got stabbed in the stomach on the subway. Chad got freaking brutalated and he's fine. Kirby's fine. Everyone who was a main character in this was fine. And really the only single character that actually died other than like these random side characters was uh, Annika who played Mindy's girlfriend. And and low-key, her being the only one to die felt like a hate crime. (laughs) Like it felt mean. Like that one just felt really mean because she was a really nice character. And then she was the only one to really suffer. And meanwhile, the core four are just living it up, even though we saw the same exact thing happen in Scream 5. Mindy and Chad brutalized in Scream 5, but somehow pull through. And so seeing this again in 6, I was so irritated. I was like, are you serious? I think it was meant to be a subversion, maybe, because they were talking about, oh, it's the franchise. It's a sequel. So none of us are safe. Even the core four might die. Legacy characters aren't safe. But really, they all were. And it would have worked more of a subversion if they didn't do the same exact thing in Scream 5 with the same exact characters. Like, come on now. Like, she was jogging. Mindy was jogging and just A-OK after being (laughs) stabbed in the stomach. (laughs) Like, you have organs and stuff in there. That's not how stabbing works. (laughs) So for Chad, for Chad, I just found funny. Like, honestly, if this continues throughout the series, I don't care if there's five more films. If he just keeps getting just, like with the part each time <laughs> yeah if it was one character if it was one character that's okay but there's no way that mindy would have been fine after uh gail would have been perfectly fine after i mean how many times has been stabbed now kirby was fine like every single character was perfectly okay except for <laughs> little annika <laughs> yeah these are some recovering video game characters but yeah it did it did feel mean that annika was the only one that died especially because she has a really drawn out brutal death mm-hmm. her death was the one that i just i was like oh hey, that, yeah that one hurt to watch it says like oh this feels like a hate crime <laughs> yeah because they stab her pull the knife up and then like she's trying to move she's making this heroic moment and then she just gets tossed off the ladder to a multi-story death yeah that was sad i liked her too you know she was the only one that really had nothing to do with this she yeah. was just in proximity yeah but the fact that, like, nobody else got it, like, it was just, like, it was just too unrealistic for me. And it was, like... There were a couple in the beginning. Yeah, but none of the, like, main characters. None of the main characters, True. none of the characters that we're supposed to be rooting for really got killed. Like, the only characters that really died were, other than Annika, was the unlikable characters that they put in the film, which we'll talk about that therapist, too, because I thought that was, I had a laugh about that, <laughs> which I'll tell you about in a second. Like, the fact that, like, it just felt like it was playing it safe. Like, at that point, it didn't feel like a true horror movie unless it was doing a subversion. But, like, the subversion didn't work because I felt like we already did that last movie. True. True. And, I mean, that's it's always kind of questionable with Scream if they were trying to do a subversion, if they were trying to pay homage, or they fell into a cliche. Yeah. Or if it was just bad story writing. Which here, I, I feel like it was just bad story writing. 
But it makes me feel like, okay, what's what's going to come to the next movie? No one's going to die again. No stakes whatsoever. It sometimes seems that they try in the screen movies to make certain moments work. Or not, they don't make them work. But they go ahead and they make a scene, but they don't really, they don't think about how it actually works with everything else going on. Yeah. Because there's some other, t- there's some other, I think one of the other movies, it just doesn't make sense how the ghost face would have been here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about that psychiatrist, that therapist, <laughs> because I mentioned to you recently when we talked about the Breast Magnifier Awards, something I want to see in 2023 is better to see better roles of emergency service, health providers, whatever you want to call them. Somebody that's supposed to be there to help out a victim after a traumatic incident. And they're always played to be useless or a villain. And this one is sort of both in a way. Oh, he gets killed at least. Yeah. That's what I said. It's like the only ones that really get killed are the ones that are supposed to be unlikable or villains. And you know, I hate that just making somebody unlikable. So I don't have that many feelings attached to them for when you kill them because I'm not, I'm not a big boy or something and can handle it. Yeah. So like with that conversation that we just had in the Brass Magnifier episode, like as soon as he came on screen and started talking, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what he meant. (laughs) Like I thought of that conversation immediately. It's ridiculous. Like no therapist would be like that. And she says she's been to multiple. There's no way multiple therapists would be like that. Yeah, no. And she didn't say anything incriminating. She didn't say anything at all that was incriminating. And like homicidal ideation, I mean, I mean, this is one of the things that's intrusive thoughts, homicidal ideation. Like those are normal things. Like that's things that like we, I don't think we've quite destigmatized fully, but like medications can make you feel that way. Um, like there's a reason why every time you have, like for me personally, not me personally, not, but I've had homicidal ideations, but you know, anytime you talk to a a psychiatrist or a healthcare provider or therapist, they say, do you have suicidal or homicidal ideations? Like, so that's something that therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists, they're trained to deal with. And so for this guy to just like completely act like he's never went to med school or did anything, like it was ridiculous. That was ridiculous to me. And for her to say that you're all the same means she went to multiple ones. Is that just how they're training in New York City? Well, I don't think that she opened up to the other therapists because it seemed like she was pretty closed off. Well, it seemed like she was closed off because she's dealt with other therapists before and explained the story and got kicked back. Okay. Because, yeah, it doesn't... She barely says anything, too, that makes it seem like she wants to go ahead and kill people. No, she just said, she like, hey, this situation kind of felt good in a way. Mm-hmm. So then the therapist will go ahead and ask you following questions and really explore that idea and then ask you the question, well, do you want to kill anybody? Yeah, like it's things that you have a conversation about. And it's like I said, like that's something that they're particularly trained to. It's a common question that therapists ask just to kind of get a gauge of where you're at and if they need to take additional steps, what kind of medicine they should prescribe. Like that's just normal questions. And so, like I said, like nothing that she said was threatening. And then it also didn't make sense to me that apparently the whole world knows about her situation and has a opinion on whether or not she orchestrated the whole thing. But the therapist didn't know any of this. Well, Seeing his views, it, it doesn't seem like he really reads anything, even his own, you know, HIPAA or whatever. And, like, I would think there would be something in, like, her medical records. It's not like she came away from that unscathed. 
And like at first I thought that maybe it was like something that was like, I don't know. I, I just thought that the therapist would have had some of that background without her even having to tell him. Also, this is someone who clearly doesn't understand the process because he says, well, look, if I'm to continue with this, I have to report it to the police. Like, I don't think you do. And if no. you do, it's not like she would get arrested. You can't arrest somebody for having homicidal thoughts. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you, you can arrest them for having a plan. You can charge them for, you know, conspiracy. But you'll probably just get, you know. And, and, and if she needs to go to the psychiatric ward, then that's what needs to happen. That's It's not a bad thing to get sent to the psychiatric ward, ward if you need it. Actually, it probably would have helped her in this case. Yeah. Granted, I would I would hate to see another horror movie take place in a psychiatric ward. I've seen too many. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's very common for a variety of mental illnesses to have intrusive thoughts and thoughts that you're not necessarily going to act on. So for that to be his first response, like, oh, I'm going to call the police on you when she didn't even say anything incriminating. It was just a little ridiculous. I mean, he was older. So he, he probably got his license and was practicing back, you know, when they were strapping you up to a chair and cutting <laughs> out the front lobe of your brain. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about while the spoilers are up? So what did you think about Sam's Descent overall and how it was played? I think it was all right. I don't think this movie is really heavy on any subject and is, is saying a lot. There's not too much weight. So, yeah, could they have explored it a lot more? Yes. They spent more time with this script. Maybe. I mean, I didn't see anything really too strong with the fifth one. But for the level that this film is at, it was it was all right. I like that it actually tied into the story. Mm -hmm. Like it actually had a plot device made of it. But could they have done more? Yeah. Like I said, I would have liked it in this movie or another movie or the fifth movie. If we started out and she pulled off a ghost face mask and she just got done killing somebody. And we were kind of working backwards in a way. Or we're working through the film with this known information yeah. and wondering, wait, did she actually do it yeah. or not? That would have been really cool. And I agree. That's what I put in my notes as well. I mean, I think that I liked what they did with it mostly, but I feel like they could have done a little bit more. By the way, one thing I want to talk about in the bodega scene when I said that it was a lot more than a clip, he went in and shanked that dude mm. bad. Like, you know he was done. Like, the way the knife was angled, he got right underneath that rib cage. <laughs> that lung and heart were... It, it was ground beef by the time he's done. <laughs> that was a scene where Dolby was really nice because of that shotgun. Like the whole theater was shaking. It was wild. <laughs> oh, that's, oh man. What's that Dolby? I did mention the TV series a little bit, but I also did see online. I did see online that the, it's called the Brandon James mask, but it's the mask from that TV show because they don't use the traditional screen mask that was actually in the subway scene. The subway scene in general, I think that was pretty tense and I overall liked how it played. But then I feel like with Mindy stabbing, like I said, it was kind of played for jokes afterwards. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm tired of Mindy. I didn't like Mindy. I feel like they made her too much comedy relief or were trying too much. Yeah, I think they're trying to kind of, I mean, I think the twins, they're making them the new Randy. But yeah. they kind of, they separated like, they cut his personality in half and gave one half to Mindy and one half to Chad. And Chad's the side we like. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, they're trying to make him Randy, but it's just they're not Randy, so it's not working. I would like to see, you know, with the, talking about the core four, I may delete this kind of a, just a random thought. But, uh, so TMNT has a comic run where it's called The Last Ronin. And one of the turtles is the last surviving member of the four, of a, of a 
their three brothers. So mm. they take on, they take all their, like, they wear their, all their mask and they use all of their weapons. And I was just thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool, like, if it was one of the last characters was the last of the core four and they're just like slowly starting to lose their mind and just repeating to themselves core four, core four. <laughs> And I don't know, for some reason, they got to go against an army of ghost face or like they're doing that. And then they pull down the ghost face mask. Tell me that won't be cool. Maybe for Scream 8. Probably not Scream 7. Maybe for Scream 8, if we get that far. If they did like a uh, kind of like Evil Dead does with Army of Darkness, but do a like a post apocalyptic. Like for some reason, <laughs> Ghostface got launch codes and just destroy yes. the world. And then the core four gets picked off and there's just one left and they... And like the new ghost faces have become the ghost face government, this outlaw government. There we go. All right. I see the vision. <laughs> you see it? Yeah. I see it. Hey, Paramount. Hey, I know you're hurting. And that's the <laughs> kind of risk you need. Yep. Actually, I want to keep this in the episode now. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> going back to the reveal, just a sec, just going back for a second. I think another reason why it didn't work for me is that I feel like the movie made the assumption that we cared more about Richie than what we did. Because <laughs> I was ready to forget Richie. I don't care about Richie. That was a lame... That itself, for me, wasn't a very good reveal. I didn't really like the reveal in the last movie. So, like, bringing him back again, I was like, oh, gosh, are we beating this dead horse? Are we beating this dead Richie? Yeah, he wasn't that significant that I had. A, I felt like he had to be brought back. And this all this backstory that he, like, maintained this big old ghost face collection and i was like oh gosh just and then he was a, a child movie maker that felt like a little bit much <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was making his own stab movies that they had to play on the screen i'm like oh my gosh make this stop <laughs> i mean, I don't blame him I, I bet no one showed up to the funeral so he had an obituary plan and there was no one to listen to it <laughs> But I was just like, I was ready to leave Scream 5 behind onto something new, but we're backtracking and we're just going back to Scream 5. Okay. But now we got Scream 5 out of the way. We got the legacy characters can now be pushed away. I'm, I'm excited to see the next film. Are you? Uh, yeah, I actually am because I feel like they've shown that they can have potential with this series and they have a good characters to work off of, good leads to work off of. And now that I feel that they can finally, hopefully, fingers crossed, like you said, move those legacy characters aside, maybe they can actually make a film that's really going to stand out. What grade would you give this film? I'll give it a... Like, I would give it higher if it wasn't for the reveal. The reveal brings it down to a C-, minus, I guess. Like, I'd give it a C, C plus maybe, other than that, but it, it does bring it down. Yeah, this movie could definitely be in B territory for me, and I was debating between B minus and C plus, but there, I don't think the reveals that strong. I don't think the writing is is tight. I think it's very loose, and at least you know for me and for Devin, those those things that we noticed in the film were a disturbance for us. So I, I got to bring the film down, and so if you don't notice those mistakes and those those writing issues, then this is going to be a really good time for you. This is going to be a higher grade for you. But for me, it's going to be a C plus. And I still have fun with the film. I mm -hmm. will not mind watching this again. Well, I put it on for like myself. Maybe not. But again, somebody comes over they're like, hey, I'm looking for a good horror movie that's come out recently. I'm like, well, one, have you seen Scream 5? And if even if they haven't seen Scream 5, I'll put on Scream 5 and Scream 6. 
I wouldn't mind doing a scream marathon, honestly. We'll yeah. skip three. Or three is like, I don't know. That'd be nap time for me. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, that the quality, I think, overall is there. And there's a lot of things I like, and I like the way that Gooseface up until the reveal is portrayed. It's just, like I said, the things that mainly bring it down to me, other than the reveal, is just the lack of death, lack of character death, and just the over-reliance on legacy characters. Where do you rank this film? And how, actually, now that you've seen the fourth one, what is your ranking? Number one, of course, is going to be the original Scream. Number two, I think I'm going to put Scream 4. I, I like that a lot. And I think that Emma Roberts just played a really good ghost face for me. I think that she she plays good villain characters already, I feel. Like, she does a good, like, mean girl. So, like, seeing her as a ghost face, I thought she was she was perfect for it. And there's things that I liked about the movie that are just, I felt, that were relevant to today more so than even Scream 5 was. Um, so I think I'm going to put that as number two for me. And then I'll put Scream 6. After Scream 6, I'll put, I'll put 5. And then I'll put two last. And then three, obviously, I can't rank. But I'm assuming it's probably going to go under two. <laughs> yeah. Man, I really need to watch Scream 2 again. I, I don't like Scream 2. I think it's just, like I said, for me, the best reveals are reveals that make sense. Like, it can be surprising. It can be a little silly. It can be a little out there. But once you hear the motivations and you see how they're acting, like it makes sense and it works. For Scream 2 and like I said, for this now, Scream 6, like it felt like they were just trying way too hard to surprise you as an audience. And they just went with the silly route instead of a route that actually worked. I'm going to start from the bottom with number three. That should come to no surprise from anybody. Then this is where it actually takes a big gap. Let's just put a bunch of spaces in it because there, there's a gap. Then comes number four, which I enjoyed. Hmm. I would actually put number five above number four. Having watched number four a second time, I... I don't think it's as enjoyable. And I think the five, five has some really good scenes that are better for a rewatch. But I'll still say number four has the second best reveal out of all the movies. And actually, I really like the, I, I like the way that the four, four ends, like their mm -hmm. final battle. After the fifth one, I'm going to put, see, this is where I'm kind of confused because the more you talk about two and other people talk about two, I feel like I need a rewatch too. But for right now, I'm going to put number six. Again, enjoyable film. And then I'll put number two. But they are close for me. Like I said, there were some things fixed with this. Six would definitely be over two for me, and this would be close to one. And then, of course, the original, number one. Okay. We just answered the question, by the way. We kind of jumped ahead, but do you want more? Sounds like we both would welcome more. Yeah. And I, I think especially, actually now I would say that I want more. Not just welcome, but I want it. Because now it feels like, all right, you guys got something you guys got something going here. Let's continue. Yeah. Let's see what you what you got. I agree with that. But please, no more horror expert scenes. I can't do it anymore. I really can't. I don't even know where we can go. And there's a couple of places you can go hard. You can go, or at least there's none relevant. We already yeah. hit franchise territory. So, and they talked about requels. The only thing really in horror they haven't talked about, which I thought they were going to talk about with this one, is how... The franchise gets a little bit crazy and they go outside of their normal settings to something ridiculous like Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. well, I don't know. Who knows? Ghostface in space. <laughs> or my idea, post-apocalyptic scream. 
Yep. Way out there. Well, this has been our bonus objective. Make sure to go ahead and check out our core objectives, which are now airing weekly. Same time, same place, but every week now. Caitlin, where can they find that information? Much more information. Tell us how wrong or right we are. You can find us on social media at OpSilverScreen. That's going to be on Twitter, Instagram at OpSilverScreen. On Facebook, we're at Operation Silver Screen, but once again, Twitter and Instagram, that's Op Silver Screen. You can also find us on our personal letterboxes, uh, where you can see what we're watching throughout the week, maybe see some reviews of films that we don't talk about on here. And you can find Brian at Swank Seal, that's capital S, capital S. And for me, you can find me at Coffee Spoon Kate, that's Coffee Spoon C-A-I-T. Till next time, we'll be in HQ. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. See you.